Hello and welcome to Footnotes, the Cicerone podcast, a podcast to inspire you about outdoor travel and activities in the UK and across the world. I'm Amy. And I'm Hannah. Thank you for joining us for the latest episode, uh, which this week features some highlights from one of our Cicerone Live events that we ran during lockdown 2020 as a way to inspire our outdoor community about a time when we could travel again. In this live event, we talked to Adrian Trendle about the Coolin Ridge in Skye, one of his favourite places and the subject of his new guidebook. Adrian Trendle is a mountain guide and photographer living on Skye who has been climbing since the 1980s. His CV includes alpine north faces, big walls in Yosemite and first ascents on the White Cliffs of Dover. His work in the outdoor industry included 12 years at Ogwen Cottage in Snowdonia, one of the few places in the UK to regularly take secondary school students multi-pitch climbing. Adrian and his wife Bridget live at the foot of the Coolin on Sky, and together they run a guiding and photography company, All Things Coolin. So Hannah, we had a, a really inspiring time watching Adrian's event and listening to him talk about the Coolin Ridge, but is Sky somewhere that you've ever been? I haven't actually been to Skye. I've been to Rum and I've climbed some of the mountains on Rum and I had the most incredible week there doing a geology A-level in a week uh, and it was just absolutely stunning and, and I'd really like to go and visit Skye. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I think the last time I was on Skye I was about seven years old so I don't remember it particularly well. I mean it's meant to be a really beautiful uh, place not just for climbing as Adrian writes about in his guidebook to the Sky Cooling Ridge, but also there's the fairy pools and all sorts of really nice low level walks and that sort of thing on Sky. And the scenery just looks amazing. Yeah, I know Adrian is a photographer, but his photographs in the book are incredible. It's the sort of thing where you could imagine like a big coffee table book, isn't it, from Adrian? And I don't know if that's the sort of thing that he does for his All Things Cooling, but I imagine calendars and all sorts. He definitely does a calendar because I have one on my wall. He brought some to the office. Yeah, he brought some to the office when he was visiting one day. So I have got a, a Coolin calendar. Oh, I'm well jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh. we should have taken this up with Adrian when we spoke to him. <laughs> we really should have done. Yeah. Um, so as Hannah and I both said, neither of us have been to Sky recently, whereas someone in the Cicerone team who has is Joe Williams, who is a mountaineer, ultra runner, he described himself as a jack of all trades when it comes to the outdoors. And yeah, Joe uh, worked on the guidebook with Adrian as the editor. Since this event, Joe has actually completed the Sky Cooling Ridge. So Adrian's advice in this must have worked. I think Joe did the Cooling Ridge light and it was a particular invention of Adrian's. And it was a way of trying to make the Cooling Ridge accessible to people who didn't want to necessarily do the entire thing because there are some really difficult parts of it so I think that's what Joe did but there is an article on Cicerone Extra all about it if you want to read more and also um, if you're interested in watching the kind of extended live event version uh, with more discussion of outdoor photography and more audience questions you can go to the Cicerone website www.cicerone.co.uk where you can find the video recording for this and all of our other previous live events Uh, But for now, we're going to listen to Joe talking to Adrian about how to train for the cooling, what experience you need, what time you need, the kit for the traverse in both summer and winter, and why he loves the cooling ridge so much. 
Adrian, for those who haven't been, what is so special about the Cooling Ridge? Well, how long have we got? I, I, I would say that the most special thing is the fact that the mountains quite uniquely in the UK rise pretty much straight out of the sea. So you've got an added dimension of climbing and hill walking and just admiring the scenery of mountainscape and seascape. It's all in a fairly small area and there's roads around most of it. So it's relatively accessible compared to some Munros and some hills and mountains. But the main thing is there's a lot of it. It's a very long ridge and everything about it I love, really. I'm lucky enough, enough to have climbed and run and trekked to the various mountains around the world. And I would definitely put the, the Kool-Aid in my, like, the top couple of, couple of uh, favourite mountain places ever. Just, yeah, magical. So do you have a, a favourite place exactly along the, the Kulin Ridge? Yeah, I would, uh, several, but probably Skernangillion. That would probably be my favourite because there is a so-called tourist route up it, but it's actually a grade three scramble. It's the easiest way up and it is pretty steep on all sides. It's almost like a textbook or not a textbook, a, a child's drawing of an imaginary mountain to me. It's just the perfect mountain. You've got stunning views back along the ridge, across to the rounded hills, the red cooling on the left. And probably best of all, if you're standing on that, you might have just finished doing the whole of the cooling ridge. And you can look down at the, the bar for your celebratory drink and see it in the distance, perhaps two and a half hours away. So that would probably be my favourite place. Yeah, I bet that bar at the end is, is, is pretty amazing. So what's your preferred option for tackling the ridge? I think my favourite approach would be to arrive by boat, the Misty Isle boat trip boats from Elgol, because that's just a magical journey in its own. And the big plus point is it gets you arrive at the foot of the shortest walk in and the most pleasant or least unpleasant ascent to the Ridge. So in the book, there's three different approach routes. And I would definitely say that this would be my number one choice. As to doing the actual ridge, I think probably over two days, if the forecast is good, definitely two days with a bivy up high. So you experience the sunsets and sunrises and hopefully not too many midges. Yeah. What's it like to bivy up high on the ridge? I've not. Uh, I, I have tried it once, but spent spent a night in in a cave, getting quite cold and wet. It, it wasn't really a magical cooling bivy experience. <laughs> I would say you can divide bivies into either being magical or an element of purgatory about them. If it's if there's a little breeze and the midges are kept off and it's good weather, you've got stunning views out over the islands and. You're, you're relaxing after a hard day, but also a bit psyched up for the second day to come. And I would say that can be absolutely nigh on perfect, but you could be there and could be wearing a midge net and fighting off midges that are biting you. It could be drizzly, it could be cold, it could be windy. So you, it could be, could go either way. But if you've planned well with the forecast and, things like that hopefully it's gonna 
towards the magical side. In the winter, it is quite different when it's all frozen. So that's obviously going to affect the conditions massively and difficulty, I would think, probably quite significantly as well. How does it affect the experience on the ridge? And does it feel like a completely different mountain traverse in winter? Yeah, yeah, it does. But firstly, I'd like to say that I think it was fantastic that Cicerone asked for an additional sort of chapter on a winter traverse, because I think it would have been easy to have had a less complete guide. And I know it's not as comprehensive as the summer traverse, but the reasoning there is most people are going to be a lot more seasoned as mountaineers before attempting it in winter. Now, in winter, it's obviously a, a, a quantum level of seriousness higher with the conditions but I think the rewards are even greater, really, because it, it's very rare for it to come into condition. So I realise it's going to be very hard for people who've got to travel any distance to arrange time off work, travelling, and all of that to coincide with good conditions. It's nearly impossible, I should think. Although, How rare is it to actually get good winter conditions on the, on the cooling? I suspect it's not as rare as it's made out to be. And when conditions do come in, I think with the advent of social media, it does the word sort of spreads. And I think like the winter of probably March 2018 was absolutely awesome. I suspect that more people probably did it that winter than probably in the last, I don't know, 10 years or something before that. And mainly because conditions were really good but I think also because of so many people were blogging about it writing about it on Facebook things like that people knew that it was in condition in March 2018 I wasn't that keen to do it because I'd heard about lots of people saying how much suffering it was and a friend of mine who is writing another book for Cicero and John Fleetwood pressurized me into doing it and I was really happy that he did because he wouldn't take no for an answer. Every Everything that I said, reasons for not doing it, he'd come back with 10 reasons for doing it. And in the end, we had a, a fantastic two-day traverse. And I remember standing oh, at the end of the second day saying to John, that was awesome. Would you do that again? And John said something like, oh, I'm glad I've done that, but I'm not sure that I'd want to do it again. And I was thinking, I can't wait to get back and do it again. And conditions lasted and I did it I don't know a week or 10 days later the same winter in 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 a day and that was just brilliant doing in a day as well sounds pretty magical sounds more I guess if you get the right conditions more and uh, a ridge traverse that you find in the Alps with the mix of the the snow and rock and the moving together and the I guess the the enormous exposure uh, underneath (laughs) alpine especially in the, it's an alpine length sort of ridge anyway or, but in the winter it's especially alpine like speaking of different different conditions yeah you're also a photographer uh, one of the things that people get if they buy the book is lots of your brilliant photography so do you have a, a favorite time of day or weather conditioning weather conditions for photographing the cooling I, I i would say i definitely like early mornings 
first but best of all I would say I like it when I'm bivvying out overnight so that you get two chances you get the sunset and the sunrise and perfect blue skies are nice to be out there with no cloud it doesn't make for very interesting photos so mm-hmm. I would say either late at night late evening or early in the morning just with a little bit of cloud to make it interesting but not enough to completely obscure the sun how does the Coonan Ridge Traverse compare to other climbs in in other countries like the Alps or or in the US or, or Himalaya? Yeah. I, 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 I tend to think of the Coonan. There are hard technical climbs, but the Coonan Ridge, there's nothing particularly hard on it. There's just lots of it. And it may just be a thing about me getting old, but I like easier, longer things where you're just moving relatively fast. I'd rather be doing something where you may be both moving together relatively fast and covering a lot of ground. I've certainly felt that in the Coonan. You get um, you get a lot of mountain for your money, I think. I suppose all the Munros are real, genuine Munros, because you're climbing from sea level to the um, height of a Munro, aren't you, rather than some road heads are going to be relatively much higher up. If you're interested in discovering the Coolin Ridge yourself, please head over to the Cicerone website where you can get the guidebook for 25% off if you type in the code SKY25, capital S-K-Y-E-2-5 at the checkout. We hope you enjoy the guidebook and the Coolin Ridge. You're a, a very accomplished climber. Um, there must be lots of people wondering if the Coolin Ridge Traverse is for them. So how experienced do you need to be to climb well, to climb in the Coolin, to be able to do the traverse? Like how good do you need to be able to be to be able to succeed on the traverse? The hardest technical graded pitches like Naismith's route on the Bastyr Tooth and the TD Gap Severe, which in technical climbing terms isn't actually very severe at all. It's not very hard at all. But you have to factor in that you may be carrying a big backpack with gear for two days. You may be doing it in approach shoes or big boots. Although you need to be climbing at a severe level, it'd be better if you were climbing, well, as hard as you possibly can. But So you've got some grades in hand for climbing in if the weather's not perfect or you're tired, you've got big bags to carry. Um, yeah, I, I recall getting to the the TD Gap's another famous bit mm. of bridge, isn't it? And yeah. getting to the bottom of that that pitch. And what grade is that pitch, uh, Adrian? It's severe. Severe, yeah. And as with both of my attempts, it was <laughs> raining uh, when I got there. And looking up at it, I just thought it just looked disgusting. Very and... It was wet, was it? Uh, yeah, really wet. And the thought of climbing that in approach shoes with uh, a rucksack uh, with a tent in it wasn't remotely appealing. So we did. That's where we then, I suppose that's where we began to give up on our attempt. But yeah, that's, that's what we did. So the ridge can be traversed. You can do it in a day, you can do it in two. I suppose you could do it in more days. But if I was to go up to the Coolin to have a crack, 
how long should I set aside for the whole trip? Basically, the longest you possibly can, so that you've got the most chance of finding a weather window. Have, have I got a good shot if I just try and go up for a, go up for the weekend? Statistically, I would not have thought so. Okay. <laughs> I mean, to get, we've had a lot of good weather recently, which has been very frustrating. But most summers, it's very variable, to put it mildly. So I, I, I would say that it's very. You'd have to be very lucky to plan a weekend months in advance and then just turn up and have two perfect days yeah much better off coming for a week so those of us that are feeling inspired what advice might you give them if they wanted to try try the Coon Ridge and is there anything is there anything that like I could be doing at home and if I'm unable to get to the mountains to to be preparing I I, I would say do as much research as you possibly can. Read all the guidebooks, not just the Cicerone one, but the SMC ones, the Rockfax ones. They've all got different takes on things and added information. There's lots of videos on the internet, on YouTube, books, biographies of people. Uh, Tom Patey's biography has got a really good account of the first descent of the winter traverse. That might not necessarily have much bearing on on what we're talking about but just do as much research as you possibly can and if you've got any friends that have done it that would be the best way if you can socially distance maybe have a zoom type meeting with them and they can actually get maps out run through the ridge point out the different routes talk to them about what they took what they needed what they didn't need yeah i see what you're saying about research and the other thing would be maybe to plan some training days. If you're coming up here for a week, plan a few, work out which bits of the ridge you think may be most problematic for you. It may be that you're, someone's not a brilliant climber, so they might want to go and have a practice on the TD gap. Or it may be that they're worried about the navigation on Four Tops of Varta or Bidian. Yeah, got it. Doing the whole traverse, especially if you're bidding, does require a fair amount of kit and equipment. You've got the climbing, the abseils, biddying if you're going to do it with an overnight. What are the things that you really can't do without? Going back to the bivvying and talking about earlier, I would definitely say something like smidge and a head net, just in case those midges are pretty active. And I would say definitely don't skimp on bivvy bag, maybe get a really good Gore-Tex one, and I've done it with lots of people who've had cheap plastic bags or unbranded type of material, and they've woken up the terrible condensation soaking into their sleeping bag. So I would definitely say don't skimp on the bivvy bag and take the smidge to deal with the midges. Uh, we, just have a, we just have a question from, from one of the listeners. Should I wear scrambling or walking boots? What do you think? I would definitely go for approach shoes of some kind. Okay. On the premise that if the weather's so bad that you're going to need boots, you're probably not going to be doing the ridge. Unless you've got, I'll add the proviso. It's, it's, it's pers- personal choice, really. What works best for you, what's most comfortable. If you're happy climbing severe's, in big boots or if maybe you've got ankles that are susceptible to turning 
you might be better. But I would personally prefer approach shoes because they're lighter. They're really good for scrambling and climbing. Mm. Uh, I can't really see, for me, there's very few downsides. They probably don't last as long, but then they are cheaper. Okay. What about wearing uh, like rock climbing shoes? I tend to say you, sh- you really need to be climbing well enough to be able to do it in approach shoes because otherwise you're going to waste a lot of time taking boots or approach shoes off, putting rock boots on and vice versa. Right, yeah, yeah, got it. Another question that we've had come through is about technical gear. So I guess this would be like the rope and the rack and you know, the hardware that we might need. I'm going to say it's probably it's a given that we're all going to wear a, a helmet uh, on the ridge. So, like, what kind of yeah, what kind of do we need there for rope and rack? For the rope, I would say a 35 meter rope will be long enough for everything. People with 50, 60 meter ropes, whereas the longest abseils off the in, inaccessible pinnacle, which is 17, 17 and a half meters, so 35 meter rope is long enough for any of the abseils or any of the um climbs you do yeah okay you're saving a lot of weight by not taking that extra 15 or so meters and also a lot of faffing around coiling uncoiling stuffing ropes into bags yeah and and uh, in terms of the rack, is it like a standard rock climbing rack that we'd need? I, I would say if you're climbing within your grades, you're probably not going to need a very extensive rack. Right. Uh, maybe, I don't know, three or four rocks on wire and a, two or three hexes. And slings are very useful, longer slings for threading around chalk stones, mm-hmm. putting over spikes. Yeah. Okay. You give all this information in the book, don't you? So before we get on to a few more listener questions, um, I have to ask a bit more selfishly. As Renavia pointed out, I have failed to do the traverse uh, twice now. Can we maybe explore what I've been doing wrong and how I could succeed next time? I think now you've got the book and you've worked on that book for probably... I don't know. How long did we start? Almost two years. You must have a huge knowledge now. How many times do you think you've read the book? Without talking in depth, it's hard to know, really. But it sounds like the first time, the weather was definitely um, not really a, making for it to be a likelihood of success. What was the for- Was it forecast to rain when you went? Or? Uh, yes, I think it was forecast to, to rain, but we'd made the effort to come up um, you know, from England anyway. I think we, we thought we'd take some sort of siege-style attempt. <laughs> yeah. clearly, um, clearly there's a bit of a mismatch between the siege-style attempt and bringing one sleeping bag between two. Um, <laughs> so perhaps we didn't really think that through or that. Is weather really the biggest thing to get right or to... <laughs> I think plenty of people fail in great weather conditions. I think quite a lot of people fail if the weather's too good with a lack of water. It is obviously not many places where you can resupply with water on the route. And quite often, if the weather's forecast to be hot, I might go up a day or two before and hide some bottles of water up there. Okay. So, yeah, I, I would say that quite a lot of people probably drop out 
because of t either too bad or surprisingly too good conditions. I think we need to ask a, a final question of them. The, the biggest, most important bit of advice that you could give somebody planning a trip to, to have a crack at the, uh, the Kulin Ridge Ooh, definitely don't underestimate it. We've said that it's only quite a low climbing grade. And I think you do get lots of people coming here thinking, I can climb much harder than that. It's going to be a doddle. So I would say don't underestimate it. Do the research and try, if you possibly can, to not just have a very brief flying visit, build in a bit of extra time. There's lots of other things to do on Sky. There's the training, the classic climbs, classic scrambles in the book. So you can either do something before you get to do the ridge, or if you do the ridge immediately, you've got other things to do in the rest of your week or fortnight. That was Adrian Trendle and Joe Williams talking about the Sky Coolin Ridge Traverse. It was a really inspiring event to hear them talk about this ridge that they clearly love so much um, and to see how much passion went into writing and creating this guidebook. Hannah and I will see you again in a fortnight with our next episode of the podcast. In the meantime, search for Cicerone Press on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And you can also join our Facebook community, Cicerone Connect, to connect with other outdoor enthusiasts. You can find out about our upcoming live events at cicerone.co.uk forward slash events. To keep up to date with the podcast, subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can find out more on the Cicerone website. There are also plenty of articles on the Cicerone website um, and you can find our full range of guidebook titles and you can also sign up for our newsletter. Thank you for listening to this latest episode of Footnotes, the Cicerone podcast. We hope that you are inspired to set out and explore the outdoors.